Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. We're here talking about Chernobyl Diaries today. Yes, we are. And... Fun fact about Chernobyl Diaries is that it is not a found footage film. (laughs) This is yet another in our attempt to find found footage films, even going so far as to researching what are some good or what are not even good, what are found footage films out there right now. And even the lists for found footage include movies that are not actually found footage. 13 Cameras has failed us. Chernobyl Diaries has failed us. Anna has failed us. This is insane to me because in the past, it's just found footage as far as the eye can see. Possibly people have realized that found footage films are terrible. But why? We want to see them because they're terrible. Yeah. This one was disappointing because there was a possibility for it. This one could have easily been found footage. In fact, it was filmed as found footage which is frustrating to me because that just means lots of shaky cam and um, motion sickness inducing footage yeah but there was no character behind the camera so it was still an outside narrator filming the story but it could have been one of them at any given moment Yeah. They would have all had to have cameras, though, because they split up enough that, like, it couldn't just be a cameraman or woman filming the whole story. They would have had to have multiple cameras. So, you know, the storytelling gets tricky when you do found footage. But if you're not doing found footage, just hold the camera still, you guys. (laughs) There's even, (laughs) there's, there's like technology that can level the camera and just keep it steady for you. Yeah. So, sadly, not found footage. Um, It was a movie about a bunch of... They sort of felt like teenagers, but I think they were actually like early 20-somethings. Yeah, they were young people. Who were traveling around Europe, culminating in a visit with the older brother of one of the travelers, who then kind of peer pressured them all into going on this extreme tourism trip to Chernobyl and Pripyat. So it was the usual bunch of kids go to a cabin in the woods, except they were going to a tourist trip into Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Right. But it was a very underground tourist trip. They weren't actually allowed to be there and all that stuff. So, In fact, they went there and people do go there. Like I, mm-hmm. I did some research into this and it is a place that people go to visit. But when they got there with their guide, the guards had closed it off and, and said that no one was allowed in. It was under maintenance, which, you know, is very suspicious. Indeed. But their guide, you know, wanted to follow through on his 
promised to take them on this trip, so he snuck them in the special secret Yuri way. It was the classic idea that radiation creates monsters, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they saw weird mutated fish, and then the dogs weren't really mutated. They were just wild packs of dogs. And neither was the bear. Yeah, and there was just a regular old bear, which was an exciting moment in the movie. That was. That was, that was fun. That was very good. But definitely the people who ended up being the the ultimate bad guys in this movie were radiation ravaged monsters. Like they yeah. they were being held captive because they had kind of gone mad from their radiation and they escaped and you know attacked these people while they were visiting. And really that whole idea doesn't sit very well with me. Like It's weird. I'm not sure that I want the bad guys in my movie to be the people who are dying of radiation poisoning <laughs> because of bad political and economic and energy choices made by bureaucracies. You know? Yeah. So the villains of this movie were not people that I felt were very villainous. And then the heroes of the movie, these mm-hmm. 20-somethings, <laughs> sure. they're like laughing and giggling and like on vacation in a place where a whole city's worth of people suffered a huge tragedy and many of them died yeah and clearly they're still i mean obviously that part of it is is fictionalized but like in this universe they're still there suffering the traumas of what happened in this city like i did not like these heroes at all yeah They were, well, especially Paul was not popular. Oh, he was the worst. I mean, it's... It's the standard story still. It's the bunch of kids on vacation in a foreign place, like in the movie The Ruins, where, you know, they went oh, yeah. down to, to Yucatan or wherever it was and messed with the indigenous people and paid the price. And wasn't there, uh, there was one, weren't they like in the catacombs in, it wasn't France. In France. Was yeah. it in France? Yeah, the one we watched last year. As above, so below. Yep. Some For some reason, people think that we should be making movies about stupid white kids going <laughs> off to other countries to... Well, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a cautionary tale, right? It's trying to decrease the amount of stupid tourism that's destroying things. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I could see the argument being made for that. I don't know that that's the ultimate message that was trying to be gotten across. And I think I see the ultimate message that this movie was trying to get across. Because, first of all, let me be clear, I don't think there was any message here. I think this was just a movie. Okay. And I think the reason for that is that these people, you know, there's there's a Twitter feed, and I don't know, there's probably websites and stuff too, of pictures of abandoned places. Like mm, that's a whole mm-hmm. Twitter feed and that's all it is. And it's, they're fascinating. Like you look at them and you're like, oh, this office building is falling over and trees are growing through mm-hmm. it. And wow, that looks really interesting. And they've shared ch- pictures of Chernobyl as well. And this movie looks to me like these people saw pictures like that, found a place like that. And we're like, ooh, what story can we tell with this? We want to show this stuff. And that's what this movie consists mostly of is look at this cool shot of this abandoned place and how mm-hmm. like water's dripping down through this building roof and creating a cool little pond. Like it was really cool to look at because I think that was the point of the movie. 
they found a cool set and they wanted to make a movie in that set. Yeah. And I looked it up and and this movie was filmed in Serbia and in Hungary. So it was like a there was like a World War Two, an abandoned World War Two bunker in Serbia. There was like the the abandoned car parking lot, I think was in oh, Hungary. Yeah. So none of it was actually filmed in Ukraine. But when I looked at pictures, I, I actually found one of those websites of somebody mm-hmm. like I never got really the clear on who he was or or why he went to Chernobyl, but there was lots of information provided about radiation and what happened and what's going on there now. And, you know, like they had information about, you know, radiation levels at different points around the location. And so, but there were lots and lots of pictures of like the swimming pool and the um, palace of culture and different areas in Pripyat and Chernobyl. And the pictures looked an awful lot like the places where they were doing the filming. Well, that that stuff looks cool, so let's make a movie. It does look cool, but gosh, I don't know. There's something about that, like, let me just go traipsing and being entertained by the tragic places of some other culture. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes me think, like you mentioned, the as above, so below in the catacombs. I don't recall if they filmed that in real catacombs, but the idea of those, like, catacombs that literally just walls made of bodies. Right. And you're filming it and going, okay, now, act like a vampire's eating you in front of 500 real dead people. <laughs> right. Like, that's a right. little perverse. It's it, And it's so irreverent. I mean, no matter what you believe, these were humans, these were people, and... Yeah, it feels so irreverent to me. So I think I struggled with this movie a little bit because of that. At the same time, because they chose such a beautiful set and Mm -hmm. they... They did such a nice job of making it feel like it was that place. When they first got there and they're like all laughing and whatever, I was like riveted thinking about the fact that there had been a whole community living there and then they were gone. Like, I don't know. At the same time that I was annoyed by the characters, I was also (laughs) like... It helped me kind of experience something that I'm never going to experience in real life. So it was interesting. Speaking of annoying characters, the, I don't know, some part of the engine, the wires got yanked out so that they couldn't start the car. So then what they do is, okay, we got to sit in this car overnight. And they leave all the lights on inside the car. And would you believe, crazy twist to this movie, the battery went dead. What? (laughs) They knew that there were animals outside and they're like let's you know just hang out in this light instead of not attracting all the animals right i was so annoyed by that like there were so many reasons why they should have turned those lights off the animals would be attracted any people wandering around i mean i suppose they wanted people well they didn't know radiation people (laughs) existed they did want like the guards to find them but the sheer fact that they kept looking outside at things yeah (laughs) The truth of reality and the way our world works is that if you have lights inside a window (laughs) and you're looking out to a dark space outside, you're hampering your own vision. Turn the freaking lights off, people. Yeah. 
So oh, these, I was so annoyed these were by that. Some troublesome characters to watch. They were just so dumb. So <laughs> dumb. You mentioned Paul already, but I feel like I have to I have to give Paul a little more time. Oh, yeah, here. we barely discussed him. Paul was one of those people who was just slightly off focus of what the most important <laughs> thing was. He definitely at was. Any given moment. Like he was always more concerned about the thing that was just to the right of the most important thing going on in the moment. Yeah. And then, you know, trying to get everybody else to pay attention to the thing that he was paying attention to. Yeah. Like, and they're trying to escape everything. from bears, and he's interested <laughs> in I don't even know what. It was like he just never quite knew what was going on around him. Yeah. And yet he considered himself the kind of leader of the group, you know? Like, he inspired the whole oh. trip. And he was so the leader type guy. He just wasn't doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was a point. Okay, so I made a note, and this came from specifically from something that Paul did, but also because there were some things that the New Zealand character, Michael, did as well, where I, I wrote down the note, 20-something toxic male hero syndrome. Uh-huh. They both were constantly doing these things that you could see that they were like, I'm saving the day, I am uh-huh. a hero, when in fact... They were making everything worse. Like at one point, Michael, they're in the truck. The the dogs are like leaping at the windows. Mm -hmm. The windows are literally the only thing keeping them (laughs) safe from the dogs who are trying to attack them. And Michael's banging on the window with a tire iron. Yeah. Like, stop. Not helping. No, that's real bad. But he really, he was like, I'm protecting these women. Like, no, you're being stupid. And then later... The thing that made me write this down. So at one point, Amanda, Paul, and Michael are trying to, I think they went, that was when they went to the auto graveyard and were Uh trying to find wires to fix their truck, which had a dead battery. So (laughs) wires weren't going to fix it. Anyway, they end up getting chased by something. I'm not sure. It was whatever killed Yuri. And I'm not sure if it was one of the animals or if it was one of the people. I think that was a person. But before we we really knew. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up getting chased and they go behind, you know, they run through this kitchen area and they go into a closet and a hallway and whatever. And Paul has Yuri's gun and he just shoots blindly through the door. The thing, again, the one thing between them and this thing that's trying to kill them. And he starts shooting bullet holes in it. Mm-hmm. Just randomly in the middle of this little closety hallway well, thing where ricochet could have happened. Like and and, and he it's so like closed space. Yes. Everyone's around a gun. That's not pleasant. Yes. And I'm just like, just not helpful. Just <laughs> stop helping, Paul. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, not only was he damaging the door that could protect them, he was using up three of these bullets that they maybe had six or seven of. Right. Shooting blindly into a door that may or may not have let the bullets go through, yeah. I, you know, I, whatever. So, like, every time he tried to be a hero, he was not only not being a hero, but he was making things oh, worse. he made things worse so many times. But in his own head, you could tell he was, he thought, I mean, in that moment, even, he, like, kind of holds the gun in a way where he's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm the best. I'm like, no, you are putting everybody in danger. It was so annoying. One part I wrote down was, um, you know, they're sitting there in their car at night, so concerned about what's going to attack them and what's going to happen. And they're like, people must have done this. You know, people must have damaged the car or whatever. There must be people after us. And it's like, no, it's impossible that there are people here. This is an abandoned city. 
the city that you were stopped <laughs> from entering by guards saying, no, we're doing maintenance there. Right. <laughs> maintenance. We haven't sent anybody there, but we're doing maintenance. <laughs> we're doing mental maintenance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. There was not a lot of like thinking things through in this movie. There was a point where, again, I think it was these three, I think it was Amanda, Paul, and Michael, and they're walking down the road and suddenly some of these wild dogs are in front of them yeah. eating something. And they're like, oh my gosh, we have to be quiet. We have to sneak away. So they decide to go off the road right into, like they walk through like a, a huge drift of autumn leaves. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> crunching along. Not the quietest path. <laughs> Just gonna say. There was a moment when they were walking, they were trying to escape from some dogs, and they went across this very rickety, rotten old bridge, and Zoe falls in the water. And I have this, like, oh, oh my gosh, reaction. <laughs> And then I thought, you know, the water there's probably not that much worse short term than the water anywhere else. Well, yeah, I wasn't worried about radiation. I was worried about the swarm of deadly fish we had seen earlier. Right. There were definitely some scary looking fish in, in some of this water. But like I spent the whole movie because of the fact that it's supposed to take place in Chernobyl. I spent the whole movie thinking of the environment is incredibly toxic. And it was that moment when mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's not really that bad. Well, I mean, like, like he told them, he's like, oh, we'll only be there for two hours. It's fine. Right. No precautions of any kind. And I think that's true. Like you can, you can spend significant time there. I, I actually looked it up. Um, I did some research on it because I was curious about that. And yeah, you know, people who work crews that work there, they work there for three weeks at a time. And then they have to spend three weeks outside of the contamination zone. Yeah. So just imagine if your car battery dies during that three weeks when they're not there. <laughs> right. When they're not doing mental maintenance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not it's not a place you want to hang out for a long time. And and the site I was looking at definitely said there were places, there were parts of it that were much more contaminated than other parts. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like uh, the idea that it, once a room is like kind of opened up and the doors and windows are gone, like the radiation kind of dissipates, which seems rough for the rest of our planet. But, well. you know, but then closed in areas are still pretty bad mm -hmm. even today mm -hmm. 20 years later or 30 30 years later i think the numbers that i was looking at were from 2009 so quite it wasn't super recent but this guy the people he was with you know they had had a geiger counter and they had taken some radiation measurements while they were there ranging from 0.03 microsieverts and one sievert is considered a very high dose of radiation and, and microsieverts are one millionth of a sievert. So it was 0.03 millionths of a sievert. Like very lot. small. But then all the way up to, he said, the measurement on like one of the claws that was used to do cleanup hadn't been properly decontaminated. So there was a point where their measurements got up to like 336 microsieverts when they finally were like, okay, we're going <laughs> to, and it was still rising. And they're like, all right, we're going to back away from this space, which is still significantly lower than the safety pro protocols put in place by the <laughs> Nuclear Regulatory Commission, but is more than you want to be hanging around. Yeah, it's not bad. Go visit Chernobyl. That's <laughs> the gist of this. And also the other gist is, 
this movie inspired a whole scientific research project. It did. I think this is one of the first movies where I was actually like, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> Lots of times I'm like, I wish I knew that, and I don't actually do anything about it. But this one made me curious, I think, because of the like real-world element of it. I just have one other kind of big topic, which is the ending of the movie. Basically, they've been whittled down. Most of them are dead. Amanda and Paul are left, and they're running away from the monsters, and... Monsters meaning people. Mm -hmm. And they end up heading in the wrong direction. They're heading right towards the reactors at Chernobyl. And they are getting tons of radiation. And so they immediately, like, their faces are looking boily. <laughs> yes. and their faces start to melt yeah, off. Paul is, like, going blind. And they're not doing good. And so, first of all, that's, that's a lot of radiation right there. I honestly <laughs> think that's more radiation than is currently there. Like, <laughs> I don't think that would happen. But fine. You know, that's, that's what's happening. And they do that. And it got me thinking, like, ooh, the people after them, I mean, we hadn't been told anything, but it was obvious they're mutated people affected by radiation. I'm like... Are they going to turn into radiation monsters mm -hmm. and, like, join the party? And I would have liked that. That would have been a better ending for me. They got, like, picked up by the authorities and well, thrown Paul, into... Well, Paul, Paul got shot yeah. by the authorities yes. because he wouldn't stop going forward toward them when they said stop. I think it's because he was stop. blind, though. But it may have just was been his normal deaf? Paul behavior. But he, Paul was so <laughs> useless. Yes. So useless. But... When they shot him, I actually made a note. I'm like, am I supposed to think these guards are the bad guys here? Because I honestly don't think these guards are the bad guys. I understand. He was dripping with radiation poisoning and like lumbering toward them. Yeah. I don't think shoot first, ask questions later is generally a good policy. But in this moment, when like, I don't know, I, I don't feel like it was entirely their fault that this happened. Yeah. Well, I just think it would have been, I mean, it sounds kind of typical to have them turn into the monsters, mm -hmm. but it would have felt like a twist, at least to me, if, you know, because they're running from the radioactive monsters and that's something you kind of expect. But then if they kind of gradually like got weird and got bloodthirsty mm -hmm. and and then eventually like the la of the last two, one turns on the other and like attacks yeah. them and like high fives the other zombies. <laughs> I don't know, something like that. A radiation zombie <laughs> high five. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But but instead, like I sort of thought they were going that direction when they captured Amanda and they took her to the hospital, which of course was, you know, the underground place where they're keeping all the guys who escaped. And you know they're talking about how they had recaptured all of the escaped. Um, radiation victims and and they like throw her in like a cell mm -hmm. and I sort of thought they were throwing her in the cell and she would continue to do her mutation and become one of them Yeah, but it turns out they threw her into the cell with <laughs> all of the pre-mutated humans and it's pretty yeah. clear that they were going to kill her like she well, was yeah. never going to get a she chance was just a snack for them yeah that was a weird way to end it yeah a, a sort of unsatisfying way to end it, I guess. I mean, maybe it avoided a trope, but I don't know that avoiding that trope was an improvement on the trope. Yeah. But I did think as their faces were melting off, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what, guys? At this point, you're dead anyway. From my research, 10,000 microsieverts is fatal. Like, you die within 
I think that said a week. Mm, something like if that. you're exposed to a single dose of 10,000 microsieverts of radiation. And I sort of feel like you've got to be getting up in that range if your skin is melting, right? <laughs> Probably. It's, so, it's a lot. Uh, you know, unless she mutated into something... She was going to die anyway. Yeah. It's probably saving her a lot of agony. Still, I feel like not a lot of basis in science for what we were seeing. So it doesn't really matter that much. No. Cause... Which was sad because there were definitely parts where I'm like, ooh, this is kind of accurate. I'm liking this. And yeah, then the, it got weird. The environments. Yeah. One thing I noticed about the storytelling of this movie is that it was following a very classic, like, kind of roller coaster pattern of you know, something bad happens, like there's a noise in the building and then, you know, they're getting closer and closer to, oh, it's going to get them. And then, oh, it's a bear. And so then they're safe. And then... Not, not that safe. I mean, safer. <laughs> and I mean, they, they didn't die. They got away from the bear. Yeah. The bear just ran past them. It had something else to do. Yeah. But then like, like something bad, the car stops working. And they would come up with a solution. Oh, we're going to use the radio. And mm -hmm. nope, nobody's answering the radio. And then and then they would come up with another solution. Yeah. And it's so like it was kind of ramping up the tension by by having them come up with a way to get out of whatever bad situation they were in. And then like just quashing that. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah, I was interesting. kind of excited when they found the auto graveyard. I'm like, oh, here you go. Yeah. And then they got back and the car was flipped over. So yeah. Yeah. The one moment of actual found footage in the whole movie was right. they found the cell phone with, you know, where it's apparently uh, Natalie had conveniently been recording <laughs> exactly when the radiation zombies attacked. Ratings. This movie kind of got me thinking about the types of stories in horror movies and in this case, it's not a rare one. It's a very common one, which is just kind of like, here's our characters. They're now in this situation and they're going to have to get out of it. And there's no lore. There's no, you know, there's nothing to learn. There's just trouble after trouble and, you know, danger, other dangers. How will they survive? Mm -hmm. And it's uh, like, <laughs> like... I'm watching to learn, st not to learn real things, but to go through sort of a learning process. Mm -hmm. And there is no learning process in a movie like that. There's just, okay, now it's this situation and they got out of it, but now they're in this situation. Mm, but this person didn't. <laughs> yeah. So now there's, now one, there's less one less of them. <laughs> and it gets whittled down till it's at the end and either one or two gets away or nobody does. Right. Fine. And that's, that's tiresome. I'm kind of done with that, unless the situation is that a ghost is haunting their house. I'm all for that. Let's do that. <laughs> you have not grown tired of the ghost no. story. But yeah, this is getting tiresome. But on the flip side, I did enjoy the interesting environments. I, I feel exploited by that, that they got away with getting me interested in a movie just by their scenery, which I think was the whole reason they made the movie. So mm -hmm. these guys are evil. These guys are a bunch of Pauls. <laughs> but overall, that kind of kept me interested. Like I was pretty curious about what, what was going to happen, although I was at the same time bored with the plot itself. Yeah. So I give this approximately 2.5 radioactive mementos. 
That's funny that you picked that unit for our patented rating system. Mm, that no one else uses that but nobody, us. nobody, just us. Because the one thing that I hadn't said yet, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to mention this in my ratings <laughs> discussion, was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Like, like a, a little exchange that, that kind of captures how I feel about the whole movie yeah. was when I think it was Michael from New Zealand who was like, oh, I want to take this thing with me. And Yuri was like, oh... Yeah, lots of people took stuff from here and sold it on the black market, and the people who bought it all died of radiation sickness <laughs> because it's contaminated. Like, he just kind of presented it like, now what do you think? Yeah. But he did it in a very calm way. Like, he wasn't snarky like I'm being. He just presented this piece of information. And I sat there listening to it and then was like, yeah, Michael from New Zealand, now what do you think? <laughs> now what do you Jerk. think? Jerk. And that's sort of how I feel about the whole movie, like that uh -huh. that it's just trying to profit in some way off of the tragedy of a people. Right. And yeah. and as long as it's not my people, then it's okay. <laughs> like if somebody were trying to do something like this in at the 9/11 site, yeah. Like I mean that would basically be the same movie. It's like It would be exactly oh, these are resurrected ghosts of people who died in this building or right? something. And all of these characters would be appalled because mm -hmm. they're, I mean, maybe not Michael from New Zealand. I'm sure New Zealand has its own tragic history. But, like, the American characters would be appalled if people were, like, laughing and giggling and uh -huh. dancing around. That's a really good On the 9-11 memorial. Like, come on. Have a little bit of respect. It's like that part in the grudge where they were like oh look here's a quaint ritual i'm like <laughs> they're in a graveyard mourning they're dead like move along it's very quaint of them so i the whole movie kind of has that like a film of that over it for me yeah i get that i liked the yuri character a lot he they kind of they set him up as someone who was going to be really scary and like leading them into danger but he really was just one of those guys who makes a living yeah. taking stupid young people around <laughs> to tourist places and and he was just a decent guy i think he was smart i think he was doing his best to keep them safe and it was unfortunate that he let useless paul like kind of goad him into taking them in even though he knew they shouldn't go in that's true, yeah. And, you know, he paid for that with his life early on. But I liked that character. I, I'm with you. I, I liked the scenery, the environment that they established. I, I liked the atmosphere of this movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't really have a problem with the acting. I think no, the actors okay. did a good job of portraying the characters they were given. I think some of those characters were just kind of douchey and I didn't like them very much. Yes. But that's, you know, I, I can't even say that's bad writing. That's just like, yeah, some kind. I mean, I think Paul was a very good representation of that kind of guy. So I'm kind of torn and I really hate to be a copycat, but I think I am also going to give it two and a half radioactive mementos out of five. Wow. All right. It could have been a lot better, but it is definitely not the worst movie we've watched all month. I do want to say that I think this particular movie could have been significantly better if it was found footage. Like, if they had just done the same thing, but it was all filmed first person, running down those tunnels, wondering what you're seeing, I would have liked that better. It would have felt more immediate and intense. 
Yeah, I can picture that movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm honestly baffled as to why they chose <laughs> not to do it that way. Yeah, I don't know. Second only to my bafflement as to why this movie keeps showing up on lists of movies that are found footage. <sighs> well, it because they only watched the first minute, which was <laughs> right. found footage. The first minute and then like two minutes, two thirds <laughs> of the way through. Yeah, that part too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, wow. all right. Well, this was kind of a disappointing one. I thought this one was going to be better. I thought it was going to be more what we were looking for. But we can always try again tomorrow. Hooray. Yay. One day there will be found footage. One day. Are we just going <laughs> to keep watching movies looking for found footage all month know. long? I don't know. All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. We will. Yes. So useless. No, you're being stupid. Oh, he was the worst. Not helpful. Just stop helping, Paul. (laughs) Oh.